All right, everyone, we are back with another episode. Um, I have, of course, a great guest. We're going to talk about uh, some fun things today. Uh, of course, this is Van, and we're having our ops conversation. How do we run church organizations at a very uh, challenging level, minimal budgets? This podcast really is directed toward folks that are 500 or less in their attendance and how they function. But of course, I believe the information is useful for everyone. But we're going to jump right in right away, get to the meat of the conversation. I'm going to have my guest introduce herself, and then we will get rolling. Oh, yeah. Hello, my name is Simone Felton, and I'm the executive administrator at Bethel Community Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I've been working in this role for a little over a year and a half, so I'm still learning the ropes, but I also have a lot of information to share. Come on, I love it. So let us jump into it, Simone. We have a really fun topic today. Um, I think it will it will resonate with folks almost immediately, even from the title, because I think it's something that we often deal with and really have to figure out how to collectively do this well in order to be good at operations. Uh, so our topic today is, what are the biggest mistakes to avoid in church operations? So we're gonna look at a couple of different components when it comes to that. But as we think about that question, uh, whether you are just starting out or whether you've been at this for a minute, I think we will all be able to agree that, man, mistakes are part of the game. Trial and error is part of the game. But I think there's also that space where we can learn wisdom from the mistakes of others and go, hey, I don't have to do it that way. And much of what we have for this podcast, the purpose is to help you jump ahead of some of those mistakes that we've made to learn and to cultivate uh, a strong foundation when it comes to church operations. So first place we're going to attack when we look at the biggest mistakes, we are going to start, of course, because we are church, because we are people of faith, spiritually, where are the top mistakes that you've made when it comes to the spiritual context of your job and church operations? Um, for me, the biggest mistake that I've made, and I actually just realized and started to see the effects of it recently, is that I pour and I pour and I pour out into so many ministries um, and just operations, just events, classes, everything, services, but I never stop to get poured into. Come on. And so even in service, Everybody comes to, you know, get the word, get fed and go home energized, empowered to take on their life. But for me, during the service, I was focused on, is this going right? Are the lights good? Is the worship the way we planned it to be? Or just the little minutia um, and the background of everything that goes on. So really just trying to, yes, plan as much as I can. But when I'm in service, sitting in the presence, actually worshiping God and not worrying about the lights. Um, or when I go to classes that I've helped prepare, not focusing on, okay, is everybody signing up or just the little things and being there to receive also from the word, from the teachers, from the worship and disconnect from the job for just a little bit so that I too can be spiritually poured into. Yeah, so good, so spot on. I think that's a tension that we constantly are walking out and how do we 
that's called the, that man that how do we be present? How do we be in the moment? Not just simply working on the moment, but how do we actively put ourselves in the moment? And I think the more you are in the operational side of church, the easier and easier it becomes to <clears throat> check out of those moments or to condition yourself to not be there. So, man, I agree. A word of warning for anyone who's doing this work. If you found, man, that you are at church every Sunday working, but you can't remember the last time you got to sit down and hear the message for the message itself. You can't remember the last time you got to just stand there and lift your hands and sing the worship songs. You can't remember the last time you did that. That is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. I think we're in this for the long haul. We've got to recognize that we are we are chasing the endurance, the, 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 the length of the job. And if we aren't careful, I'm with you, Simone. I believe that is a tried and true way to burn yourself out really quickly. So I love it. I love it. And um, I definitely can, can attest I've been there myself and I have to really work hard um, to do that. Uh, as you think about that, any, man, any, anything that you recognize, here are things, tips, tricks that I, I kind of have adapted or have adopted in order to remain present in those moments? Um, well, I just figured it out or noticed the problem. Yeah. So I don't know yet any tips or tricks because during service, of course my phone is on because if there's a problem, uh -huh. I'll have a solution. Um, yep. So I'm not sure yet. Do you have any tips or tricks, man? No, I'm glad you asked. I, I, I've been in that seat as well, and I think I'm a, a little further down the road in it, um, but still, it's still a tension that we walk. Um, I definitely know that one of the things um, that I look at on a Sunday morning, and um, you kind of hinted at it already, I make sure that I'm someone who can attend service. Yeah. I look at the jobs that I do on a Sunday morning, and I go, hey, if I'm the only person that can do what I'm doing on a Sunday morning, am I strengthening the church? Or am I creating an Achilles heel for the church? Yeah, that's good. So a lot of what I do on a Sunday morning uh, is, man, I'm, I'm identifying the people who can do what I do. And there's a deep line of empowerment where I go, um, something that I heard from a Craig Rochelle podcast, which I encourage, hear me say this, anyone who is in an operational leadership position, his podcast is amazing. The work he does is amazing. And he uses a phrase called Gitmo. And it is good enough to move on. So can someone do the job at 80%, 80% the level I can, will they do it with the same acuity? Well, man, will they hit all the little nuances and the things? Probably not, but man, is it Gitmo? Can we move on? And I train folks for those roles. So part of it is really defining what I do on a Sunday morning. So one of my first steps was to sit down and go, okay, what am I actually doing on a Sunday morning? getting it all written down and going, okay, what of these things fit into a singular hat? If I were making this a job for someone, what would be outside of the job context and what would be something similar? So one of the things that I often do with you as well, I, I help manage that service or things running on time. Uh, are these people here? Is this there? And I go, man, that sounds a lot like a stage manager. That's probably a role that I need to start cultivating. Yeah. Because the idea that I'll find someone who can do cumulatively do everything that I do on a Sunday morning, probably not. 
But what I can do is take all of that stuff and start breaking it down into what I call volunteer level positions or ministry level positions. Things that they can show up and with a little bit of training, be able to manage those specific things. And I start really empowering and creating a rotation of folks to serve there. That's good. Oftentimes we're serving together, but guess what that does for me? I can go, hey, you're in charge right now. Here's my phone. If someone calls, if they need something, you got it. You've got the answers. Wow. And I go, here's my chance to engage in worship. But it takes time and it takes time to cultivate and it takes intentionality. So that's one of the things that I do right now. I'm constantly living in the mindset of how do I work myself out of a position? Yeah. So next question on the list, we think about those mistakes that we make, man, what are the mistakes that we need to avoid logistically? This Ooh, is the fun one. <laughs> My number one um, mistake that I personally need to avoid logistically is assuming that someone knows and will take care of the minutia things. And so you always have to reiterate, always go over the plan completely and don't just assume, okay, you know that you're over this part of the event. You know everything that needs to go into it and you're going to do it. Yep. Nope. I'll be disappointed every time. Every time. So breaking everything down and communicating about it to make sure my expectations are clear and they know exactly what to do is what has helped me avoid that mistake. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. I want to believe more of people many times than they're capable of. Uh Uh, One of the sayings that we use often uh, that uh, frustrates my team, but at the same time, uh, it calls us all to the same level of accountability as man. If it's not on paper, it doesn't exist. Yeah. If you haven't written it down, if we haven't had, if we don't have it typed up and it seems really like, man, that feels like so much over the top. But at the end of the day, if it's not on paper, it doesn't exist. doesn't exist. And often they go, man, this person was supposed to do this and they didn't. And I go, did you write it down? No. Nope. And now they go. If I don't write it down, it's not going to get done. It's too many things. It's too many things. (laughs) Caleb. (laughs) 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 You're part of the team. (laughs) And this will go perfect because we're going to have a podcast shortly that talks about how do you get your work done (laughs) of all the chaos and distraction. So. Uh, I think logistically that becomes really a big piece of what we do and how we do it. Um, (laughs) So I I think it's finding those places where we can do that. Is it written down? Uh, And then the other philosophy that we, we really try to, uh, uh, to live by when it comes to logistics as well um, is man, how many people have shared the information kind of a benchmark for me is if one of my team members goes, yeah, I know you've told me that. And I've heard it two or three other times. Most context people go, man, that's really frustrating. People don't know how, don't think I know how to do my job. But what I challenge my team to hear and think when they hear that is, man, think about the overlap of of communication. Yeah. You've already heard that communication. By the time I get to you, you've already heard that communication two or three times. 
what does that really tell us? It tells us that our teams are sharing information. That's good. And when that happens, now it's not just on me. Now I've built a culture of people automatically going, I've got the information. Does everyone else have the information? Now we have a team of people sharing. So I love it. Yes, logistically. All right, last one, running into the last five, 10 minutes, because also I recognize that our ops and administration folks are really busy. So taking a lot of time to listen to something isn't a reality for us. So how do we jam pack as much as we can in? So last question, what are some of the mistakes you have to avoid relationally? This is actually my favorite one. Yeah. And the one I have grown most in and I enjoy thoroughly. But um, avoid the mistake of being afraid to say no or playing the devil's advocate. I've been in so many meetings where I've even had conversations and I, I ask, do I even need to be in this meeting? Like, I don't see how I'm contributing to the conversation. And everyone says, no, you need to be here because you keep us in line when we start to get out. So mm -hmm. being that person that says, no, we cannot do that. And here's why, because mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z can go disastrously wrong. Um, or even saying, okay, this is a great idea, but let's think about this. What's our backup plan? Or what will we do if something specific happens? Um, and so I love that relationally because, yes, I have a great relationships with all of the staff. Um, we're friends. We're family. But also, I'm helping you <laughs> mm -hmm. stay on track and get everything done efficiently and effectively. So I love that. I love saying no. I yeah. And I think we can, man, if we can, if we live in that space where our no doesn't immediately mean that we don't like someone or that it's now somehow how communicating a, I don't like your idea, thereby I don't like you. When we can get to a space as a team where we recognizing that the no is not personal. Yeah. But it's about the mission. And if I'm saying no, it's because I don't see how it will improve the mission or help us move forward. And at the end of the day, as operations teams, as leaders in this area, that's our bag. That's the thing that we're holding. We've got our dreamers on our team. We've got those folks who, man, who will get on the stage and create the charisma and the energy that, man, knocks the walls off the space. But at the end of the day, we are the caretakers of that vision. Yeah. We are the folks that need to be in the room for every conversation, not because we may add input to the creative idea, but that we are able to say, okay, we can make that choice, but here, here are the costs. Mm -hmm. I want us to count the cost. So often I play that role of devil's advocate, as you mentioned. I wish there was a better name for it, but they're just. I know. I know. <laughs> In truth, that's one of the callings that we have, especially within ministry, because uh, I often find that that is a space where our ideas will, will quickly run crazy in the say in the in the focus and the hope of man creating kingdom impact which we all want to do uh, but one of the things that i think it's vital for us to know is that i don't believe that thinking outside of the box is a great way for us to work because we spend a good deal of time creating things that are just straight crazy like there's no mental physical possible way that this can happen 
But I definitely think and go, hey, when we look at the box, what are our constraints? Asking those questions and beginning to shape ideas that allow us to bend or to manipulate or work outside of those constraints. When we tell someone to think out of the box, they abandon reality. Yeah. So I agree with you, man. How do we how do we be those caretakers in a real way? And if we aren't confident in our voice, we can allow things to move forward that we know are not great for the ministry. And I think one of the most challenging relationships that has to be cultivated is being able to tell our pastors no. Yes. Ah. That's so hard. It is, but it's important. So it's needed. So I think great advice all the way around, Simone. And uh, I think when we think about how we function as uh, operations directors, we have to be willing to take account uh, for not only the relationally, relational stuff that matters. We have to take care of the logistics. And I would say, hands down, most importantly, we have to take care of the spiritual and making sure that we're avoiding some of these mistakes. So thank you for your time. Thank you for working through interruptions because that is the life that we live. It is. Folks, so, so fitting and timely within our context that that would happen. So thank you. Look forward to the next one. And for the folks listening, folks watching, be encouraged. You are doing great work, even though sometimes it just doesn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs>